All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we come submitting our lives to you. When we sing songs about surrendering, we're not simply talking about giving you a portion of our life. But what we really are saying, God, is we submit ourselves to you. And God, we see you as Lord over all. And so, God, we come here today not to hear from a human being, but we really are believing that a miracle will happen, that you will speak through a person, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, will speak through a created being and will change us. And so come, Holy Spirit, speak to us now, change us and make us look more like you. And we come with expectant hearts and minds and ears. And God, do it in such a way that we know that you have spoken. And at the end of this time, all glory would go to you. And you would impress upon our hearts and we would be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, we come with that kind of expectancy and urgency and fervor because we know that you are a good God and we don't want to live out of step with you, God. We want to live in step with you. And so if there's any way we are not acknowledging you, honoring you, seeing you, God, expose it so we can get in line with you. You are life. You say there is an abundant life available. It's in you. And so if we're skirting around that in any way, God, we, let's run to it. Let's run to your presence. You are a refuge and the righteous run to you. So here we're sitting, but we're running to you. We're coming to you. We're looking for you, to you. So we ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, we are so encouraged. If we could turn these lights down, I think my eyeballs are melting. Praise God. Uh, vision 2020. Uh, we have a vision night uh, coming up here um, October 4th. So what does that mean? After church on that Sunday, we will all be getting together and we will be laying out our five-year plan as a church. We're going to talk about who we want to reach. We're going to talk about how we want to reach them. And we want you to be a part of that. So what we say there is that we want you to join in the vision that God has for this church. So it's going to work somewhat like a membership class as well. So if you're wanting to learn more about the church, we pray that you would come get involved, hear about it. I, I believe that God, you know, if you know the story of this church, um, my wife and I moved here and there were no, no people, 0.0 people. And God is just at, and we're one year old as a church. And so God has added to our number. We praise God for that, but God is not done with us yet. I mean, there's a story that he is laying out and we're st it's still being revealed to us. And I believe that the way for God to just bless us, let's make some goals. Let's expect God to do great things. And so on that night, we'll have dinner here right after church. So we pray that you would come and have dinner with us. But then we pray that you would come hear the plans that God has and join in those plans. Hear about them and join in on them. Other thing that we want to announce is we have authentic sisterhood. Praise God for the ladies getting together. So, um, you know, for the men, the men had an incredible time coming together. And really what we realized is that Sundays are great to see each other. We do get time in city groups. So when we get together in our city groups, our city groups are when we get together midweek and we get into the word of God and we pray and we talk. But there are some specific issues related to maleness and femaleness that we need an environment to create to talk about. There's some intimate issues that we need to dig deep down in and talk about. And one of the worst things for you to do as a woman is to come here every Sunday, celebrate like you have friendships, but to walk away feeling lonely, right? That would be a shame. 
So one of the things that we want to do is let's not, let's not be like play cousins and act like we're close, right? Let's, let's actually be close. Let's actually have friendships. Let's have relationships. Let's do that hard work. And, and that hard work will come by just getting to know one another, blessing each other. And that's, that's going to be uh, this upcoming Saturday, right? This upcoming Saturday. Um, and it'll be at the David Dean House, which is 691 Fifth Avenue. All right. If you want any more information on that, you could also look online and go to our Facebook page, which will have that laid out. All right. So we are in a series on money. All right. Praise God. And uh, last week we were talking um, and I laid out to you the fact that we're, we're calling this series The Cash Rules. Here's what we were saying, that God has a blueprint for life. Hopefully you believe that, that God is a real God and that he has a, he has a blueprint for how all of life should be laid out. He is the architect of life. And so if that's the case, if God is the architect of life, if he has plans for my life, he has plans for my health, he has plans for wisdom, then he also has plans for money. He has rules for money. And so we looked at rule number one last week, and it was really we need to follow our money. We need to know where our money is going. And that is based on Matthew 6 and 21, that where, what Jesus said is, where your treasure is, your heart will also be. So, you know, you can look at my Bible and say it's all marked up. And be like, oh man, he's deep. He loves God. But what the scripture is telling me is a marked up Bible is not the primary indication of my love for God. It really is looking at my bank statement. That my bank statement is able to tell where my affections are and my love is. And so here's the reality. Even if you're not a Christian today, right? If you don't, you're like, man, I'm not there yet. I'm still figuring this thing out. We should track our money just as a principle of life. You should just know where your money's going. I'm, um, I'm trying to lose weight. Praise the Lord. Y'all like my jacket? Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Stop. Bring it. So um, I need affirmation right now. So what I started to do, what I started to do, you know, I've always worked out because I played college football and I, I know how to work out. But, you know, you never learn how to eat. You just do it, right? It's just it's intuitive, burgers and shakes and all this stuff, right? And so one of the things I started doing was I got an app and I started tracking my food. So I'm like, I'm like kind of, I'm a little overboard with it, but I track everything that I eat. And this is what I started to learn. I started to learn I had unhealthy eating habits, right? Um, not, not because I was just eating bad things, but the amount that I would eat, the portions that I would eat. And so in my head, I would, you know, I would step on the scale and go, man, why do I still see this same number? And what would happen is I wouldn't track what I was putting in my body and I would always end up with the same results, right? And so if that principle is applied to health, what if we applied it to finances? That you look at your account every single month and you're like, why is it like this? But if you start tracking what you're doing every month and start looking and analyzing that bank statement or using Quicken and starting to track your money, you'll begin to see your spending habits. And so awareness is important, not just for health, but our finances, all right? So that's, even if you're not a, a Christian, that is a, just a clear principle that we should have. Now, that being the case, today, what we're going to talk about is what's the goal of money? What's the objective? What's the point? Why do we have money in the first place? How are we to use it? If we are to come together and not have a goal, then we'll be aimless, right? And if you don't know the clear objective and the clear goal of money, you might be aimless in that. Now, so if I were to ask you, what's the goal? I wonder what you would say. But here's another thing. If I were to look at your bank statement, what would I think your goal is? Or what would someone else think your goal is? 
Now, I can tell you after years of ministry what people's goals are, but they never say that these are their goals, but this is what their goals are. The first goal that most people have is make as much as you can, okay? Just stack it, get it, do it, just get money, get it, because bills and I need it. So just make money, make as much as you can. Now, even though no one would actually say that that's their goal, they also, the reason why we don't say this is because we know making all the money in the world doesn't bring you peace. You kind of know this. You look at entertainers, you look at people who have lots of money, and you know quietly, without even having a Bible verse, you know money doesn't bring you peace. You already know that. So we don't project that, we don't say that, but our habits are that way. So it's kind of like the person that gives you all the insight about health, but they don't eat right. So it's the same way. We know certain things about money, but we don't do it. So in the same, you know, so we, we make all that we can. But the, the other side of saying I make all I can is I spend all I can. You know what I'm saying? And so what it is is when I want it, I get it. So if I want to go there, I go. If I got it, if I got it, I'm going to go. If I want to eat it, I'll eat it. If I, can, if I got it, you know, we don't go, y'all going out? Yeah, I'm going out. I'm going out with you because I got, I got, yeah, I got some, I got some, I got about $20. Yeah, I can go with you. If I have it, I'll spend it. So here's the, here, here's where we go. People's goals really are this. Make all you can, then spend all you can. Ma- Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Lord speaking this, speaking the afternoon, she's like, hmm, that is my goal. Shoot. <laughs> Quietly, your goal is make as much as you can, spend as much as you can, make, spend, make, spend, make, spend. And this is where, it doesn't matter how much, this is this thing. If you right now, if your income is $30,000 or $300,000, when you live with those principles, here's where you land with. This is the goal. This is the next slide. Just enough. How much do you got? I just, I just got enough. I, I just, I looked at my account, I got enough. Just enough. Because I make and I spend, and I make, and I spend. And when I ask people, when you say just enough, what do you mean specifically by that? And the next statement would be to get by. I make just enough to get by. And when we press, if we were to press into this room, that would be the truth. Now, some of us aren't in that situation. It's a minority up in here, but some of us are not in this situation. I've preached this message in other locations and I have to like nuance it, but up in here, I know the situation. But some of us, and I'm just speaking to mythical people right now, but some of us are in a situation where we have extra, 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 right? But if you have extra money and no discipline, then you end up spending and you still have this leveled anxiety within you because you don't have a compass. You don't have a true north of where your money should go. So in the end, more money is not really bringing you the comfort you thought it would. If anything, it's bringing more anxiety. So here's what we wanna do today. Here's what I want you to walk away with today. I want you to know what's the goal of our money. What's the goal? When I look at my account, what should I be analyzing? What is the lens I should be analyzing money through? In order to get this goal, of course, we're going to look at God's word. And to understand our proper objective for our finances, 
Um, what we're going to do is we're going to look in the Old Testament, and um, we are going to look at a story that's 3,000 years old. And just if you think about that, in our hands, in our phones, in our app, we have historical documents that go back 3,000 years. That's fascinating when you think about it, centuries old. And so we're going to look at this age-old story. Um, it is in uh, the book of Chronicles, actually, Second uh, Chronicles. But before we go there, let me just uh, give you by way of context. In the Old Testament, there was a group called Israel, and Israel was God's people, and they were they functioned like a kingdom, and they had a king, and their king was David, one of their kings. And so King David had come to the end of his life, and as he's coming towards the end of his life, he's looking and he's looking at all that he's had because he's he's defeated all these other armies and he's accumulated all this wealth. And in doing that, he looks out and he notices something. You see, the way that people would worship at that time is they would look to this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. It was almost like this treasure chest. And in it, it had the Ten Commandments from Moses and it had all these different artifacts in it. And the way that they would understand the presence of God was looking to this Ark. And it was housed in a tent because the tent was portable. So because Israel would wander around sometimes, they would bring it with them. So here you have the Ark of the Covenant underneath a tent. And there you have David in this majestic house accumulated because of all his wealth. And so in 1 Chronicles 17 and 1, you don't have to go there, but in 1 Chronicles 17 and 1, David says, here I am living in a house of cedar. He's showing the, the, majest- the majesty of the house while the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is underneath a tent. So he says, that shouldn't be. In reality, I, I, I don't deserve to live this way. So he gets in his mind that he now is going to build a temple. And he wants to build this majestic house for God. But in, t- in his time of prayer, the Lord shows him that that will not be what he does. His son Solomon would end up doing it. So David, in response, says, you know what I'll do? I will raise the money for it. So David ends up raising the money for this majestic temple. And people begin to follow suit after he begins to give his own money. Now understand, David, after accumulating all this wealth from defeating all these kingdoms and taking all of their money, now he has tons of finances. And so this is the crazy part. If you were to look historically at how much money he put into the temple project, building of the temple, it accumulates to $14 billion. $14 billion. When you look at all the gold and all the silver historically. So, of course, because he's giving all of his wealth, the people begin to follow suit and they begin to give theirs. And all the people are now giving to this incredible temple project. So that's where we land in First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29. So if you have your phones, you can go there. You can look. If you have your Bible, feel free to go to the table of contents. No shade. If you don't know where Chronicles is, you don't have to front. It's okay. This is a safe place. Okay. So you can go there, try to find it. And if either of those aren't uh, you're on up to those, then you can look on the screen, okay? First Chronicles, babe, do you have some water? <clears throat> First Chronicles 29 and 10. David is in front of the entire assembly, and it goes like this. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, 
Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Notice how David is just praising God publicly. He's, he's doing it in such a way where he's openly and unashamedly delighting in his God. He's enjoying the presence of his God. He's talking to his God because he loves his God. He's open with his relationship. It's not private, it is public. And in verse 11, he says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. Watch this. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. This is your kingdom. So before we start talking about money, we have to look at the way this is, this is a, he's praying, but look at his perspective on life. David fundamentally believed that everything that had been established on earth, not just his kingdom, but everything that had been established on earth, not just his money, everything that had been established on earth was his. I wonder how big your everything is. Everything. I believe everything is yours. Everything. Everything. Everything is yours. And what I am, I am renting what you owned. Everything is owned. I rent. How big is your everything? That, if we were to play that logic out, how big is your everything? Everything. That means that this breath was rented. That means this heart beat was rented. That means he is the landlord of my body. And I believe that I'm renting the blinking of my eyes. I'm renting opportunities for work. I'm renting the skills that I have. I'm renting everything. He's the landlord of not just the earth, but of life. How big is your everything? You know, it's so funny. Our everything may not be big, but it becomes big when we are in trial. You see, when your heart stops beating, you're just like, what's up? Hello. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Or when you run out of money, you're like, what's going on? Or you're not getting a job, you're like, what's up? So it's so funny what it ends up being is that we think we're the owners and he's managing our life. So it's like, I have money and I don't see it coming and you're not, like, you're, you know, you're not doing a good job of like managing it for me. Where is it? So I just wonder how big your everything is because David's everything, he, he, he said earth. He said everything on earth is God's. And so the way, before we talk about money, we have to look at the way he sees himself and the way he sees life and the way this world is established. You are the landlord of life and I am a renter, just merely a renter in it. And so... Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. That's what we're going to see here. And this is at least what David says, that everything is God's. He goes on to say, you are exalted as head over all. The rest of the verse in 11. And then he says in verse 12, now, we're talking about money now. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands, uh, uh, in your hands are strength and honor to exalt and give strength to all. Watch this. In your hands, your hands, are strength, strength right here, 
power to exalt and give strength. So in your hand, so God has the strength in his hands. And what he does is he gives it out to people. So the reality is, is that not only does he, it belongs to him, but it is distributed by him. So all honor, all power, all majesty, all wealth is not only his, he owns it, but he gives it out to people and distributes it by his will. So those are the two things that we see. He owns and distributes and he does it unequally. He does it by his mysterious will. Some will be much more gifted than others. Some will have more money than others. Some will have things that others will never have, but God distributes it by his sovereign will. So God owns, everything belongs to God, but everything is distributed by God. Everything, how big is your everything? Everything is distributed by God. So those are the first two things you have to see. You can't talk about money yet. Don't talk about money yet. Just talk about this. Let me see. Verse 13. Now, now we're transitioning. Now, our God, remember he's praying. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious, your glorious name. But verse 14, but who am I? Just think about that time I slept with Bathsheba, man. That time I killed that guy. Man, I think about all the things that I've done. Who am I? I think about all the thoughts that I have sometimes. I think about some of the things, how inconsistent I can be. Who? I know who you are, but who am I? Look at what you've distributed to me. Why? Suddenly he's asking the question, why did you give this to me? Suddenly he's saying, I don't live up to the way that you've given me these things. I don't live up. Who am I? But not only that, he doesn't stop there. Look what he said. He says, and who are my people? He looks at them and says, look at these jokers. <laughs> look at them. I've dealt with them for years. They're just frustrating. Who are they? Who am I? Who are they? I wonder if you've ever asked yourself, just look at yourself, who am I that God would even give me this opportunity that I have? These children that I have, the opportunities, far too often we look at what we don't have, but if we would focus on what God has given us and say, who am I that I should even have what I do have? The life that I have, who am I? And then who are y'all? Who am I? And who are my people that we should even be able to give as generously as this? I, I'm not, notice what they, this is what we would do. This would be my prayer. God, you saw that 14 billion, right? You saw how much I gave. Now I wouldn't say it, but y'all would, y'all would, yeah, in your heart. You saw how much I gave, man. God, you, listen, do something, because I just gave you a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> do something. Because that was a lot of, 14 billion, that was a B. So just, you, oof. I need to come back. I need some, I need to receive, I need a tip for that. God just, just gave you a lot of money. Now, none of us would pray that prayer, but our hearts, right? He's like, I just gave you so much. But, but David, 
after all he's been through, he's like, no, 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 I'm not thinking about how much I give. I'm shocked I was able to give it. I'm just blown away that I'm in a position to give. I'm not thinking about a percentage. I'm thinking about the opportunity that I had it. I'm shocked I had it. I'm humbled by what I have. I'm not disgruntled by what I gave. You see, and so when we're, okay, I'm about to preach something else. So, all right, so the, the, the point that he gets to is, how should I even be able to give this way? And then he says, here's why I'm thinking this. Here's why I'm thinking this. Everything comes from you. And we have, listen, listen, look, this, we have given you only what comes from your hand. I just gave you back something that's yours. So, like, why did you even give it to me in the first place? He's, he, he's having trouble answering that question. He's humbled by the money he has. If everything belongs to and is distributed by God, then our objective should be to honor God or acknowledge God with everything we manage while on this earth. And rule number two of the cash rules is to honor God. <laughs> and so the, the, the challenge that we have is to ask ourselves, how can we honor God with our, with our wealth? I want to do a, an illustration real quick. Felicia, would you help me with this illustration? Yeah, come on up. Come on up. I have money here, and this is only for an illustration, okay? <laughs> so I just want you, I'm not, I don't have it like that. I don't have 14 billion. So here we go. This is going to take a little walking. It's going to oh, take a little walk. Okay. But no, 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 you're just going to go right there, okay? But this is $10, oh. and I'd like to give this to you. So go ahead. Yeah, so you good? Go ahead. I'd like to have a dollar back. Can I have a dollar back? Sure. Thanks. Thank you. Go ahead. Sit down. Sit down. Cool. Here's the question I'm going to ask you. This is mine, right? What is that in your hand? I want this in mine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, that's the question, right? Right. That's the question. That's the question. If this is mine because you gave it to me, what's that in your hand? Well, now we got to wrestle, right? Yeah, because yeah, it's mine. You gave it, but it, ah, but whose is it? What if it was still mine? Um, just hold on to that. Just hold on to that. Or you can give it to my wife, but don't, don't keep it. Okay. <laughs> if my daughter would, were to come up to me and say, Daddy, I'd like to buy you a Father's Day gift. I would be like, thank you so much. She says, but daddy, I need some money. <laughs> I said, okay, baby, that would be sweet. Here, here's $10. And she goes off and she buys me a gift. Am I blessed by that gift? Yes. But one thing I know, she needed me to bless me. She needed my money. See, if she bought me a tie, I paid for that tie. That at no point was never her tie that she gave to me. She didn't give to me in that sense. In many ways, I gave to myself, but I was blessed by the fact that she wanted to give to me in the first place. 
At no point did the money change ownership. The stewardship of it changed. She had it, but the ownership never changed. It was always mine. You see, when we start talking about percentages and whatnot, we start looking at it like it's tax. So right now, some of you work a job where before you get that check on Friday, you see that the man <laughs> decided that he wanted to take a percentage. And the way that Felicia responded is the way that we respond, not just to the government, but to God. When we get our check, we go, that's yours. You took what you needed. Now the rest is mine. And so when we go from, a, from the, the standpoint of yours and mine, we begin to forget the, the, the expanse of what David prayed. And what he prayed was out of humility and saying, this is all yours. I don't want to get into a percentage. I just want to get into a philosophy of money, a, a, a theology of money. That this is really yours. It was always yours. A deeper principle than giving is honor. Honor. What would it look like if Felicia took that money and honored me with all of it? Honor. Acknowledgement. Recognizing that it was really mine. <coughs> honor applies to all of it. When I got married to Ron Silva's daughter, and I got in front of the entire church and the pastor said, will you honor her? Ron Silva wasn't sitting over there wondering what percentage I would honor Natasha. He presumed I was going to honor all of her. It wouldn't have been enough to come home at Christmas and say, how you guys doing? I'm like, I'm honoring about 60%. About 60%. She's eating. Shoot. <laughs> I give her a percentage of honor. No, he, he says, this is a person. And I, and I want you to honor all of them. And it, so it's the way you think about them, the way you respond to them, the way you acknowledge them. And so honoring God with our wealth is so much bigger than a percentage that we could ever give. The fact of the matter is, when it comes to giving, most people, 10% is a lofty dream because they're living off just enough. It's like 10%, I got, shoot, I got stuff to do. And so what ends up happening is they end up giving a tip to the church. I was like, that was a good message, praise God, thank you. And they give a little money. Because, and it's not because they, have a, they hate God or it's not because they don't want to honor God. It's just because I, I'm, I'm barely scrimping by in the first place. So I'm just going to give you the little bit I got because I got people calling me, asking me questions. I'm, I'm putting on fake voices and all types of stuff <laughs> going on in my life. So I'm, I have bills to pay. So because we come out of the framework of not honor, but almost like the church is a bill, or God is a bill, we end up just giving what we can. But I want to, this is, might be a little bit of a shorter message, because I want to spend some time in prayer. And, and really, with this, 
In your heart right now, you're saying, give me a minimum. Give me a percentage. Give me a list. Tell me right now. Give me a law. I want a law. Give me a law. Give me a number. Because if I get that number, I'll feel good about myself. But if honor comes into place, you may need to give more than that number. Or you may need to give less. It's, it's not about the number or, or the percentage. It's really about the perspective of the person and how you want to give back to that person what's really theirs. And so you could end up giving 10%, but then you look and then you start distributing your money to people in the church because they're struggling. Acts 2 Verses 42 through 44, people were actually selling their possessions and giving it to anyone in need. So I don't think you understand that. When I said they sold their possessions, that would be like you getting a new iPhone 6 Plus and you taking it and you selling it, getting the money and then giving it to somebody that you think is in need in the church. And so it's, it's a wider perspective of money. It's a wider perspective of giving. It's honor. And I think that the place we need to begin is simply asking God, God, and it would be that you would hold up your bank statement and say, God, what would it look like if I honored you with all 35,000 that I get every year? What would it look like if I honored you with everything? What would it look like? And if, if, if it's honor, then certainly you would, You'd want to give to the church. But maybe you would save more too. Maybe you would establish a savings account as well. Because you know it's, it's honoring in a, in a way that I have children, I've got a future, and I want to put some away. You're, just, you're looking at what the Word of God says, and you're picking it apart and saying, what, what would honor you with my money? But if honor, see, if when, when honor are our lenses and we're looking at our bank statement, you would look through and you say, you know what? I'm really impulsive. I, I, I'm, I am impulsive. You know, I go out to eat and I do it because I love entertainment. I, I, in some ways, I'm in love with the fun and the excitement of entertainment. And maybe we would quit wasting so much on impulsivity. Maybe we would begin to think twice about some of our entertainment options and the things that we respond to and do. Maybe there would be subscriptions that we begin to cancel. Maybe we would stop running from debt and start to face it head on. And the fact of the matter is, is that I, I've, I've had people tell me, you know, I'm... I'm in debt and I don't pay it at all, but I give to the church. And I'm like, and we're gonna talk about debt next, not next week, but the week after next. We're gonna talk about debt, but it, is, it does not honor God to run from people with his money. It honors him to bless people and to give back to people that you've used a good or a service from. And so it's, it's, it's honor. It's so much deeper. It's so much bigger than a percentage. If everything is his, then the way that I spend my money should not be trite and simple. I really should be cautious. You see? Can I see that money again? What if I get my money and I 
I don't say mine, but I hold it up and I say yours. All of this is yours. All this is yours. All this is yours. All this is yours. All this is yours. And I surrender all of this to you. I acknowledge you. All of this came from you. All of it. What would it look like if you surrendered your financial will to God? Now, this is when we start having those late night preachers come up in the back of our mind like, I think I heard this before. It had to do with some oil and something and sowing a seed. I'm scared. I'm scared. Okay, listen. It's not what I'm talking about. All right. Listen. When you give to God, when you, when you begin to give regularly, or when you honor God with your money, it slays the two dragons that begin to eat away at you when it comes to money. There are two monsters, two monsters, two monsters that scare the life out of people when it comes to money. One of them is anxiety, but the other one is greed. Greed pulls me into buying things and doing things, and then anxiety comes, and I'm afraid of where money, what, what's going to happen. But when I give and I honor God, it slays that dragon because it says, I don't need to be anxious because it's God's money. And if he gave it to me, he'll give it to me again. All things come from him. But I won't be greedy because it was never mine in the first place. And so when I honor God, it slays those dragons. It takes away those fears because some of us in here right now, if we're honest, money is at the top of our mind because it's one of our greatest fears. Because we don't think it's his. We believe subtly that we're self-made. And if we are self-made, we have to be self-sustained. We have to keep it going. It's like, where, where is it? I got it. Okay, where is it going to come from again? But if I thought I got it from here, then I'm like, I'm waiting on you. Because it came from you in the first place. And so it is, it is, it is now repurposing the way you see money. This is what I want you to believe. This is what I want you to believe. This is what I want you to believe. I want something for you, not from you. I want something for you. I want you to not have money be, as, it, as, it, as the scripture says, the love of the money is root of all evil. I don't want it to churn your energy. I don't want you to be afraid of it. I want you to be free from the love of money. I want you to be free. I don't want, you, I don't want it to be the thing you pursue with everything because it will not bring you peace. And I also don't want it to be the thing you hoard because I don't want you to gain the whole world to lose your soul. What I want you to do is feel the freedom of saying, this was never mine. And so I want to ask you, God, what would it look like for me to honor you? What that will take, what honor will take is a step of surrender. It is a step of surrender. It is surrendering our finances to God. Now, what we're going to do right now is we are going to come up and sing the song, I Surrender. And it's going to give you an opportunity for about three minutes as a song is playing to talk to your God. Did you see how David openly was praising God? I'm not, I'm not trying to conjure up an emotion in you. I just want a sense of freedom in you that you can talk to your God. And you can tell him, I surrender it all, God. I surrender it all. Because in surrendering the treasure, I'm surrendering my heart. I don't want anything to pull me away from you. I surrender all. I surrender all. 
And it might even be good. You don't have to say it out loud, but maybe you just say in your mind, God, the, the $50,000 I'm going to make this year, I just surrender it to you. God, would you help me with new habits that honor you? Give me new habits, God. I'm impulsive. I've bought into a consumeristic culture. I love materialism. Fashion week is blowing my mind. I, I want stuff. You know, I just, I see stuff and I want it. And it's hard for me to stop. But see, I'm, I'm forgetting that it's yours. So would you take away that yours mind mentality and just help me to say yours? Maybe every bank statement you get, you just put the word yours on it. How big is your everything? Every comma is his. And so what I want to do is our worship team is going to come and we're just going to have this time so that you can intimately be before your God. Now, some of you may feel like, okay, we just heard sermon about money and yours and okay. But if you are a follower of God, if you believe in God and you believe you want to grow in your relationship with him, I said this last week, Jesus said more about money than heaven and hell combined. It's not, again, let me just say this in a different way. It's not that I, I want your money. I don't want your money to have you. I don't want it to rule you. I don't want it to rule you. Everything in this world says get all that you can. But what if we said honor with all? It will come with surrender. Would you guys get ready to stand? Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we truly, truly surrender to you. Every dollar, we surrender to you. And we ask you, Jesus, we don't want to live in the just enough cycle. We want to live in such a way where we honor you with all that we have. And so right now, we surrender 25,000, 15,000, 50,000, 70,000, 150,000. If a man could surrender 14 billion, who am I to feel that I need to hoard what I have? And God, for those of us that aren't there yet, help us to get there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.